Good evening. Isn't Jesus wonderful? You know, without Him, we would be here with a completely different posture than what we have now. We would be here wishing, hoping against hope that maybe we're good enough. We would be here with a question mark in our mind about will I or will I not qualify for heaven? And all across the world, in every religion, that's the question. And there's only one religion, the one that has Jesus, that gives assurance of salvation. Assurance of relationship with the Creator of the universe. Assurance that is based in a biblical hope that is not the way we use hope today, you and I, right? Because today you and I... We use hope as the word wish. You know, I hope we make it on time, meaning I'm probably not going to, and I wish we would, (laughs) right? (laughs) Meaning that the likelihood is that we're going to be late, but I hope everything works just right that we actually make it. So it's wishfulness. But when you look in Scripture, the word hope wasn't used that way. The word hope was used as confident expectation, as you confidently expect something. And I've used this analogy before, but when I come into my house and I smell the smell of fresh baked bread, I immediately hope to take part in that. And by hope, I mean biblical hope. I have a confident expectation that I'm going to experience bread in the very near future with honey and butter and all of that on it, right? And so we, you and I, need to have this confident expectation because it's been given to us as a free gift. If we'll just receive Jesus, well, then we can absolutely be assured that He has come within me. The Spirit of Christ lives in me. And so heaven has come to earth in me. And take your eyes off of all that you used to be and put your eyes on all that He sees you as. All right? Identity is just such a big thing in the body of Christ. And if we'll keep our identity rooted in Him, there's no mountain, no valley, no shadow of death that's going to be able to rock us from it. But we'll be grounded and rooted in the truth, in Jesus. You know, in in, um, Colossians, it talks about hope. And it talks about the glorious wealth of the mystery of the gospel. And the mystery, it goes on to explain what the mystery of the gospel is. It's, It's the hope of glory. Christ in you. The hope of glory. The confident expectation of glory. Not the confident expectation of arriving into glory someday when I die. See, as as believers, we've got such a weird idea about heaven and the earth. We, We think of heaven as everything is about us arriving there. When, if you really go back and look at the Word and you look at what He has to say, it's about heaven coming to earth is the whole focus of the kingdom of God in the earth. And praise the Lord, we do go to paradise and we do get to be in the presence of the Lord when we pass away from this earth. But the day is coming where we're coming back with Him to establish in finality that reign upon the earth again. And He has already come and He's put the down payment of all of that into you and I's heart. The mystery of the gospel. The mystery is... How can heaven live in me? The Spirit of Christ live in me? A mere mortal. 
One who's so unworthy. One who's blown it a thousand and sixteen times multiplied squared. I don't know what that is. I'm no math student, but let's just say it's a big number. (laughs) Right? So I don't deserve it, but because of Him. Because I take His identity, now I deserve it. Because I have His identity, not my old past. And so thank God for the blood of Jesus. And when you and I have a confident expectation of glory, that means now in this life, glory. Not some future day far away after I die, hope I make it to glory. No, it's a confident expectation of experiencing the glory of God right here, right now, in the earth today. And I am a conduit of that. Let's say that. I am a conduit of glory. His glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That was good. That was all part of the message, but none of it was planned. I don't want to say it wasn't part of the message because the Lord had me share that with you. So you need to hear that. In fact, um, I'll, I'll talk about last week. You know, last week at the end, we had an amazing service. And as we came down toward the end, I knew that there was something incomplete. Something needed to be finished. And I, I felt like there was some, I should give an altar call and it would be for somebody. But at the same hand, I had this, um, this stop sign on the inside. Saying, no, don't give an altar call. Okay. You know, so we just follow the Lord and go with, go with the direction that He's leaning. And we close the service. And after the service, Jacob came up. And, you know, part of what we are to do is that we are to check up on each other. And when you bring somebody to, to the church service or, or even your neighbor, you know, check up on them. Is everything okay? Do you need anything? Offer to pray with them. Or if you're not sure if they're a believer, ask them if they're a believer. And if they're not, ask them if they would like to be, right? Go fishing. Be the body of Christ. Well, as it was, I, I closed the service and everyone starts visiting and things. And, and Jacob comes up and he brought his brother and uh, his brother and sister were here with us. And um, it was their first time here. And um, he said that his brother wants prayer. Oh, okay, that must be the person uh, I was sensing, you know. And so I come and I pray with him for the thing that he requested. But then I ask him a question. I said, have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? And he says, he says, no, but I would like to. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, you're at the right place, right? And so... He said, but, he said, I have, I was, I was raised Catholic and I was baptized Catholic. Does that matter? <laughs> no, that doesn't matter. Jesus receives us no matter how we come, right? He is always open and welcoming to receive us into the family of God. And so I led him in, in a prayer and afterwards he goes, man, I feel so good. <laughs> that is the kingdom of light arriving on the inside of somebody and it makes all the difference in your life and if we'll stay hooked into that that we'll continue to see that expansion and revelation happening not in him but in only in him but also in ourselves and um, it's a, it was such a powerful thing and I was able then to ask him a series of questions and lead him and 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 teach on some things that I could not have done if we would have had a public altar call and with everyone watching and all eyes on us and and I was able to minister to him in a way that I couldn't have done with that attention and so do you think the Lord knows what he's doing yeah. right when he says don't do an altar call 
Yeah, he does. He does. So hallelujah. You know, God is good and he just, he desires to, he desires that his best would be made manifest in you. He's not a second rate God. And he wants the best that he has available for you. Now that doesn't mean we always receive his best, right? Because there's conditions, there's all kinds of things we can reject it or we have to be in faith for it. Right? There's all kinds of qualifiers. But know that always come back to keep it simple and basic. God is good and He is good to me. Right? And then work from there. My God has blessed me. He blessed my eyes to see the salvation of, a, of my brother. Yeah. Woo! If you only knew what happened to this young man that came up, so, he came up with my sister, which I just met a few months ago. Uh, it's been almost a year. Half brother and half sister. And they came alone. And by the time they came, I primed them in prayer. You know, we have to pray for those yeah, who are lost. Right. To receive Christ. And uh, I said, Lord, no man comes unto Jesus except you bring them claim your presence in our church like you are always <laughs> he has ADD in a very severe way and he can't sit still in a chair sometimes but when I brought him to church <laughs> he was so jittery I like God touch him but the more I kept praying to God to touch him, <laughs> the more jittery he got. But he didn't know what it was. So I just found this out after the fact. And he's like, and he, he got up out of his seat and he said, he looked at me weird and he says, man, what's this power in this place? What's going on? <laughs> we get so used to God's presence. Yeah, yeah that's right. But he said, when Pastor Sid was done preaching, he said, I want that man to pray for me. We have to honor our pastors. Thank you, Jesus, for Pastor Sid and his family. The gift of God. What a gift you've given, Church of the Word. Thank you, Lord. He's been rejected by half of my family because he was born in adultery. Not this family. Not this family. He called me yesterday. He said, hey, I got news for you. You're not going to believe it. I said, try me. He asked Pastor Sid to pray for a pain he's had in his side of his ribs for years. And it's gone. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus wants us to be his presence sharers in the world. So I encourage myself and all of you to step into the supernatural. I want to, I want to, uh, Karen, why don't you come? And um, 
I want you to listen to a testimony of God's goodness, of His faithfulness. You know, not everything that happens is God. There's, we live in a fallen, in a broken world where things go wrong, where there's sickness, where there's COVID, where there's all kinds of things, right? And yet we also live under the hand of the Almighty, and I'm real grateful for that. Um, so it is exactly one year since I came home from the hospital, 12 days in the hospital, 32 hours on a ventilator. And I knew God would heal me. I had no question about it. I knew the scriptures and I knew that he would heal me. Um, uh, had no problems with that. And he did. I healed so fast. I mean, doctors were like, you got a long road ahead of you. And I'm like, nope, it's going to happen fast. And it did. But then, the enemy loves to get us when we're down. And then I just started thinking, you know, I had Psalms 91 memorized. I knew that he was our protector. And other scriptures that say that he protects us and watches over us. And I just started to think, why? Why did this happen? You were to protect me. And I was starting to not like Psalms 91. I wouldn't read it. And I was thinking, why? Why? That's, I, you probably get tired of me. I kept saying, why, Lord? And then things would get through my head like, well, maybe you were too arrogant about it. Maybe you should have wore your mask. Maybe you should have done this or done that. And I just really was starting to feel like, I mean, I could trust him for my healing, but I couldn't trust him to keep taking care of me. And um, one day he said, read Psalms 91. And I had it memorized, which this is really weird. I had it all memorized except for the last two scriptures. For, or last two, uh, yeah. I just couldn't get those in me for some reason. I just couldn't. I'd stumble over them and then I'd look at them. But anyway, this day he says, Read Psalms 91. Okay. Open up my Bible and I'm reading it. And I get to those last two verses. And it's like, I know my jaw dropped to the ground. And I changed T to she. Because she loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue her. He rescued me. I will protect her, for she acknowledges my name. And he did protect me. Not maybe in the way I thought he would, but he protected me. And then he showed me, um, he gave me a picture, and he was right there in that hospital room with me. He was just standing there watching over everything. And then he reminded me of a card my daughter sent me while I was in the hospital. And she said, Mom, you're going to be okay, she said. God gave me a vision, and there was angels all around your bed. She said, big, white, large angels just surrounding your bed. So, you know, I got home, and I forgot this stuff. And then um, he said, um, I don't know, i got to get... <sighs> she will call upon me, and I will answer her. And he did. He answered me. I will be with her in trouble. I will deliver her and honor her with long life while I satisfy her and show her my salvation. And he did. He, 
when I cried out, he was there for me. He's, he's so faithful. I think this is the thing that just hit me so much, that he is so faithful, even when we're not, when we're struggling with something. He's there for us. And then he gave me another scripture, and he said, look at the Passion Translation. So, Psalms 37, 39 to 40. But the Lord will be the Savior of all who love him. Even in their time of trouble, God will live in them as strength. He was my strength because I had no strength. I was completely, I was weak mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I was drained. So I know he was my strength. And it says, because of their faith, their daily portion will be a father's help and deliverance from evil. And he delivered me from evil. And I don't know what it was with COVID, but, you know, we know all disease comes from the enemy. All sickness comes from the enemy. But I, I just felt like something really evil had grabbed a hold of me, and I couldn't shake it. I just felt like this was the worst thing in the whole world, to have COVID. And... Um, it says, because of their faith, their daily portion, God will be a father's help and deliverance from evil. And this is true for all who turn to hide themselves in him. He sees us through the wilderness. He sees us through even when we are weak in our faith or we're struggling. He doesn't ever leave us. He is so faithful and he just will walk us right through to the other side. And then that makes me think of, you know, in Isaiah, where it says the floods won't overtake you, the fire won't, you know, you'll walk through it. And he's there. He sees you through it. And I don't, you know, it came to me that, and I think Dale said this not too long ago, the why doesn't matter anymore. The why does not matter. I do not care. It doesn't matter. What matters is that he was with me the whole time. He never left me. Maybe sometimes I couldn't see it, but he was always there. And I am so grateful, so grateful. And how my mind works is, but what if I wouldn't be here to give this testimony? And it came to me, it doesn't matter because we're all winners in Christ Jesus. I'd be in heaven. And I don't have to worry about my family because he would take care of them. He would lead them through it. He would be with them. So that was my, my awakening that how faithful God is. Thank you. You bet. I'll keep this real short. Uh, I just want to share basically the same testimony that Karen just shared. Only mine just happened in the last two and a half weeks. I have been extremely sick, and I can tell you there were times during the two and a half weeks where I wanted to give up. I know better, but that still doesn't mean you don't get to the point where I got nothing in me. I can't make it through this. And I want to thank all of you here, because I can tell you as I was going through it, I knew all the people were praying for me. I mean, I do names. I knew, maybe not every single one of you, but I knew a lot of people who were praying for me. And each time I would think, man, I can't make this on my own. I go, I don't have to. 
I had the body of Christ with me, holding me up. And specifically, not only did I have the body of Christ with me, I had Christ himself. And I kept going back to one verse, Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And every time I felt like I could do nothing, which was most of the time, I knew he could strengthen me. And he did over and over again, which is why I'm here tonight. And I just want to thank you all. Amen. Amen. You know, there's more. There are more promises of deliverance and being rescued than there are of protection in the Bible. Those promises are there because the Lord knew that there's going to be times we need rescued, we need delivered. And thank God for the promises of protection as well. We don't look lightly at those. We also just recognize that even if everything goes sideways and I wind up in a bad place, He is my deliverer. The other day, Shane and... um, Elizabeth's dad were asking me, you know, what's your favorite Bible verse? And I said, because I heard them discussing it earlier, and so I was thinking about, well, what's mine? Because I figured they're going to ask me because I was sitting right there. And so I had an answer ready for them. And uh, my answer was this, and and I still, I, I like this answer, is I don't really have a favorite one because my favorite one is the one I need in the moment. See, the word is the, it's the rhema word of God. It's the word that brings strength and health and life to you in that moment when you need it or wisdom or whatever it is that you need from the Lord. But as I went on through the evening and, and thinking about that question, and I was thinking, well, over the last year, what is a verse that I have gone to the most? And it's that verse in Romans 8 that says the law of the Spirit of Christ, Right? The law of life in the Spirit of Christ has set me free from the law of sin and of death. And that verse there trumps everything else that can come your way. And so I just encourage you, as as we've been talking about, you know, Psalms 91 and the promises of protection, the promises of deliverance, of, of how a year ago, you know, Karen was delivered from the door of death. And, and we rejoiced with her back then, believed with her. And then, and then our brother, he's just, you know, been delivered. And hallelujah, he's, like I told him the other day, he's like a spring chicken again. What's a spring chicken? I don't know. They're ready to get her done. You know, the Word says that we should not, and if, you've, if you belong in this house, you know this because we've looked at this quite a bit, but that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, and that us coming and meeting face-to-face has significant value, and then it goes on and gives us instructions what we're supposed to do when we are face-to-face. It says encourage each other. Do you know what the word encourage means? It means to instill courage. Instill courage to each other. You know, we live in a time and in an era and everything going on around us, we need this. We need each other more than ever to instill courage into each other, to encourage each other and say, hey, you can do this. You know, he's made us more than conquerors. 
and to stand with each other, to believe with each other, to hold each other up when they're weak, to encourage, instill courage into them. Thank God there is the body of Christ in the earth today. And you and I's prayers have the ability to change history, to create history. You and I's prayers have the ability to do impossible things. And so let's be a people of prayer for each other, for, for the church, for our neighbors, our family, our relatives, for our government, for those in government positions that are, have been voted there by us. Ask the Lord to encounter them or remove them. Either prayer is a good one. On the back of your bulletin, if you picked one up, you'll see the names of our young men and women that just lost their life over in Afghanistan recently. And while our prayers aren't going to do anything for them, let's pray for their families. Let's pray for the people that they left on this side and that the Lord would work in them and that He would bring revival in every family, in every, every person that is connected with that. An unnecessary tragedy and, and quite frankly, um, I believe that Joe Biden and, and his cabinet and the ones that made those decisions, they need to be court-martialed, they need to be treated um, the same way we do when someone commits treason. And I believe that a reckoning is going to happen, whether it happens now or later, you know, I, I don't know that, but a reckoning is going to happen. And we need to pray and be a people of prayer to bring change to our nation. All right, go with me, if you would, over to Proverbs chapter 4. And we're going to continue in the series we started last week, and we're calling it Get Wisdom. And we began last week by looking at King Solomon and how when he came into reign as king, what he had just established the temple and they'd done all these sacrifices and then that night in a dream the Lord says to him, ask me what you want me to give you. And so Solomon asks and he says, Lord, I want wisdom and knowledge to judge righteously, to judge with justice your great number of people. And so the Lord was so excited by that. He said, because you ask for wisdom and not for riches or wealth or victory or for even long life, I'm going to give you wisdom and all these other things you didn't ask for. And then we can see in, in different places in the Old Testament the result of this wisdom that God gives to Solomon. And I'll just read some of the things to you as a result of his request. He asked God for wisdom. It says, God gave Solomon wisdom, very great insight, and understanding as vast as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the East, and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. Solomon composed 3,000 proverbs, and his songs numbered 1,005. He described trees from the cedars of Lebanon to the hyssop growing out of the wall. So, all kinds of from trees to shrubs, plants, 
He was able to teach and to describe and explain how these things work. It goes on and says that he taught about animals and about birds, about reptiles and about fish. He had this vast knowledge that nobody had taught him, but that God had given to him his wisdom. He was able to look at something and understand how it worked and functioned. And we see, we go on and we see that people came from everywhere, sent by every king on earth who heard of his wisdom to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And then over in 1 Kings 10, it gives us more results of it. It says his wisdom surpassed all the kings of the world in riches and in wisdom. You know, riches can accomplish a, a, a company, not accomplish, riches accompany wisdom. The wisdom of God is what was given to Solomon and with it came riches. So if you're in the business realm and you are needing more of God's wisdom, you He knows how to turn a prophet better than anybody. Ecclesiastes 10.10 says that using a dull axe requires great strength. Then it goes on and says, so sharpen the blade. So that's the value of wisdom. It helps you to succeed. Wisdom tells you sharpen the axe and it takes a whole lot less effort to accomplish that which would have been very hard and difficult. Suddenly, what was could have kept you up and taken weeks can be shortened into a very short time into a way of doing things that you aren't smart enough to think or plan on your own. But with God's wisdom given to you, suddenly the hard thing becomes easy. How many of you think that just a little bit of wisdom could make a tremendous difference in your life. A little bit of wisdom could make a significant difference in your child training. So a little bit of God's wisdom could make all the difference between success and failure. And so that's what we're going to continue on here tonight in looking at that. You know, Proverbs repeatedly talks about wisdom is, will be grace, a garland of grace on your head. Well, we understand what grace is, right? Grace is God's ability coming to do something for you you can't do for yourself. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom is coming and helping you and giving you grace. It's the empowerment, enablement of God. We asked the question, we said, well, what is wisdom? And we looked at the definition and wisdom means skillful or skillfully. And I, we used it this way, we said it's using knowledge skillfully. Right? It's using what you know in a way that is good and right. And Nelson's definition, he writes it this way. He said, it's the skill of living. How many want the skill of living? The skill of living life. It's the ability to judge correctly and to follow the best course of action based on the knowledge and understanding that you have. To judge correctly, to discern. See, much of wisdom has to do with future, the future. Much of wisdom has to do with what you're going to do. You know, we can look back at something and say, well, yeah, they acted wisely. But when you're looking for wisdom, your wisdom has to do with current and future events, right? I'll give you an example of this that we've been teaching um, 
Adrian to drive, you know, he's, he's getting, he has his driver's permit, and so we have conversations around driving the car. And one of the things that we've been teaching him to do is your mind has to stay ahead of the car, right? You can't have your mind arrived at the stop sign after the car arrives at the stop sign because you're going to be in problems, right? So your mind has to stay ahead of your car. It has to stay ahead of what you're doing. You have to be thinking in advance, right? And not constantly acting every, surprised at everything that happened. And the Word says that being skillful, well, the opposite of being skillful or being wise is being foolish. And the definition, we looked at it and it showed that the foolish man, he's surprised by everything all the time. It doesn't mean that a wise man can't ever be surprised. But I'm saying the foolish man, he buries his head in the sand and he doesn't see it coming. And he's always shocked and surprised about, well, how'd that happen? <clears throat> so our minds are supposed to be ahead of our actions. Let's say it a different way. Your mind should be faster than your mouth. All right, let's just bring it real close home. Your mind should be faster than your mouth. <clears throat> Have you ever said something and thought, oops, shouldn't have said that? I like uh, the scripture that says, you know, if the foolish man will just stay quiet, everyone will think he's wise. I've had people think that I know about things that I don't know about, simply because I didn't talk. I just was quiet and listened. So they assume things about you that you don't even know, Right? Or as the one guy said, you know, it's better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> now, Proverbs 18 says, he who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. Answers before he hears. We need to be much slower to talk than what we are. Our culture is all about me, 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 and hear me, and I have a voice, and hear what I have to say, and I have rights, and you know, on and on, and I'm not diminishing any of those things because our nation has been established on certain God-given rights, right? And we need to uphold those things. What I'm saying is we need to be slower to speak when it comes to our one-on-one -on -one interactions with people, especially in our homes, Right? It's easier to be slow to speak with a stranger or, or someone maybe at church, but when we're rubbing elbows with the people we're with every day, we know all their faults, all their shortcomings, we know them well enough to know what they're going to say, so we arrive at the, what they're saying faster than they're saying it. That's unwise and foolish. So we cut them off, we interrupt them, we're quick to speak, and we haven't even heard the whole matter. I mean, I've done this. I'm speaking from experience, right? And I'm quite certain that you guys have done it too. And so we need to be slow to speak, quick to hear. Proverbs 10.19 says, Where there are many words, sin is unavoidable. But the one who controls his lips is wise. The one who controls his lips is wise. Say, my mind is faster than my mouth. I am quick to hear. Slow to, Slow to speak. I have a God-inspired mind. mind. You know, your brain is not your mind. Your intelligence is not limited by your brain. You have the mind of Christ. That's not... Your brain is just, just like your tongue. Your tongue is the physical organ that allows you to make noise. 
But even without a tongue, you can have thoughts. You have things to say. The tongue is what gives you the ability to express it here on the earth. Well, the same way with the physical brain that is in your head. That's not your mind. Your mind is, your, is something on the inside. It's part of your soul realm. And it's your thoughts, your will, your emotions, your personality. That's all part of the mind of the soul realm. But the brain is simply the physical organ that allows you to express things in an understandable way here on this planet. Because as soon as you die, that brain stops living and is dead, but your mind isn't dead. Your mind is still alive. You still remember things. You're still able to hold conversations and move on. Not in this realm, because the brain isn't working, but in the spiritual realm is what we're talking about. So don't limit yourself to your brain's capacity. Some of us have suffered brain damage. When people used to ask me, what happened to you? Were you dropped on your head? And I always thought it was quite funny because I would tell them, yes. My dad fell asleep while he was holding me and I fell out of the, his arms and landed on my head. So yes, I have an excuse. <laughs> Some of you just, just are like, man, that clears it up right there. <laughs> but come on, our brain doesn't have to be the limiting factor in our life. And if in your mind you are telling yourself that you're dumb and you're slow and you can't learn and this is a beyond my ability, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, I would, I would rather cuss than say things like that about myself. I mean, I wouldn't do that either, right? But I'm just saying that, you know, saying words of faith that are going to work against me is just a horrible idea. You know, it's all good until you turn 40 and then from there it's downhill, said who? Not for me. Just for you, I guess, right? But not for me. So when someone says that to you, don't believe it. Moses got started at 80. So at 40, you're just halfway to getting started. To some of us in the room, that's better news than it is to others. So wisdom skillfully anticipates what's coming. Wisdom, actually, I get to talk some more about mind first. Let's talk about your IQ. Are you limited based on your IQ? Well, I have a high IQ, a low IQ. No, you're not. Your IQ is simply, you want to have a higher IQ? I'll tell you how to do it. Memory. Memory. Just remember things. That's all it takes to have a high IQ is just to have a really good memory. You can go talk to people that are considered genius and that's what they'll tell you. Is I remember the facts. I remember the details. I remember all this information. And so if you want to grow an IQ, work on your memory. And don't say things like, well, yeah, part of getting old is I forget things. No. <laughs> Wisdom is not how much you know, how much schooling you've had. Those th knowledge, see, we've put a premium on knowledge in our world today, don't we? We, we value knowledge above most things. And we look at our universities and our colleges and this is a bunch of some of the stupidest people that we have in our nation work there, right? And they have a lot more knowledge than I have, but they don't have wisdom. They don't have thinking like God thinks because that's what wisdom is. And so your schooling, your, your, how smart you are is not dependent upon how much schooling you've had. You can overcome a lack of schooling. I mean, some, some in here were raised Amish or Mennonite. I was raised Mennonite. We didn't go beyond the eighth grade. I didn't, my education doesn't go any higher in eighth grade. 
In fact, they offered ninth grade, but it didn't go 10th, 11th, 12th to get a diploma. So I was like, that's silly. Why would I do that? So I went into the workforce. And uh, eighth grade was as far as I went. I've owned several businesses, very successful businesses. Was my ability limited by simply an eighth grade education? No. You can do a whole lot more than what a lot of times we give ourselves credit to be able to do. Um, I remember I was in Liberia, and we sat around a, a breakfast table at CAM's headquarters, and um, we were, I was sitting next to an elderly couple, and uh, we were reading um, a Bible, like devotions before breakfast, and we were taking turns going around reading verse by verse through the chapter we were reading, and we came to the guy that was beside me, and um, he read very, very, very slow, very haltingly, like just like he barely knew how to read. And so after our devotional time and when we were eating, I got to talking to him and I asked him about it. And this is, I was just so blessed by what he said. He said, you know, I only learned to read in the last year. And uh, this guy is like, I mean, he was upper 70s. Tell me an old dog can't learn new tricks. He learned to read. And then here's where it got crazy. He said, you know, I had a business, and I had this, uh, I think it was a pallet business or something. It was a multi-gazillion dollar business that he had started, formed, and he had this whole business empire, and he ended up, he said, I sold it last year. And he told me how much he sold it for. It's millions of dollars. I sold it last year, and I wanted to be able to go out on the mission field and do some work out there, but I knew that I should learn to read. So I decided now I had the time finally to learn how to read. He said I never went to school as a little boy because we, we just didn't work for us. So he didn't go to school. So he didn't have schooling. He didn't know he didn't even know how to read, and he built this colossal, huge business that was really, really successful. And I said, well, how did you do that? He said, I just had the right people around me. Hire the right people, people you can trust. You know, Henry Ford, he did the same thing, and this is just the wisdom of God working. Henry Ford, he, he someone once asked him, well, how, do you know this, and do you know that? And he's like, No. I don't. I don't know any of those things. Well, then how are you going to accomplish, you know, X, Y, Z with all these cars? And he said, I have a telephone or some call thing in his office where he would push a button and it would, it would summon somebody. He said, and if you ask me this and this question, I'll push this button and that guy will come and he'll be able to answer it. And then if you ask me this question over here, I'll push this button and this guy over here will come and he'll be able to answer that question. He said, so I'm surrounded by people that have that knowledge. I don't have to have it all myself. And see, this is just the wisdom of God working in Henry Ford. And thank God for Henry Ford, right? Who wants to still be driving a horse and buggy? I mean, some people want to, but you and I don't want to. So wisdom is being able to skillfully live and anticipate what is coming. And knowing that you don't have to have every answer yourself, but you know the one who has the answer. You have a button you can push that hooks you right up to the one who was able to design life and bodies. And, you know, we've made so many advances in medical science 
and they're able to sew arms back on. I mean, how is that even possible, right? And do all these crazy things, yet they don't, there's so much, that there's more they don't know about the human body than they do know. They're still figuring things out. You know, for years they said your appendix was a worthless thing. It was just put in there to cause problems. Well, recently they've done some different studies and they're going, oh, it actually serves a function. It helps your immune system. Well, yeah, it wasn't just put in there for no reason. But this is what I'm saying is we, there's so much, we don't, we can't create a human body with, with everything that we know in science. I'm saying all of that to say, but you know the one who does know how to create that. And I said, it's a button push away. It's, Lord, it's just the conversation away, right? As you pray and as you ask Him. Proverbs 22.3, you don't need to turn it, I'll just read it. It says, wise people see trouble coming and get out of its way. But fools go straight to it and suffer for it. Or the Good News Bible says it this way, sensible people will see trouble coming and avoid it, but an unthinking person will walk right into it and regret it later. I like the CEV for this. He says, when you see trouble coming, don't be stupid and walk right into it. (laughs) Be smart and hide. And then the message says, a prudent person sees trouble coming and ducks. A simpleton walks in blindly and is clobbered. That's a good definition, right, of, of the wise and the foolish. I'm, I'm still in review, but I know we've gone quite into things that we didn't say last, last week, so I don't know where we are in all of this. Is this review? Is it not? You know, our retention is just real, real low usually. If you, if you go back and say, well, what, what were the four point, main points of last week's message? Most of you wouldn't be able to tell me. You might be able to tell me one, but this is why we review, right, to hear it again. And, and uh, seriously, if you ask me that question, there's a lot of times I'd have to go back to look at my notes. Oh, yeah, of course, that's exactly what it was, right? And you heard it, you remember it, and, but it's good to hear it again. Peter said, I'm going to put you in remembrance always of these truths. And so this is why, if you've been a part, of, a part of this church, you already know this, but if you're newer here, this is why you'll hear me do lots of review as we go through series, to get it ingrained into us and imprinted on our heart. Do you remember, speaking of review, last week we talked about Bezalel and Aholiab. They were in, in Exodus 35, and they were building the tabernacle, and it says how that God filled these two guys with God's spirit and with wisdom, with skill. It's the word wisdom is the word skill. With understanding and ability and every kind of craft. So if you need wisdom to be able to accomplish something, then ask the Lord. And He'll give you the ability to do it that you couldn't have done it. In fact, I told you the story last week of how that we were doing this hardwood floor and then there was some white marks on the floor and we couldn't figure out how it was and we prayed and I thanked the Lord for showing me what it was and then I had like this vision I saw it happening and we were able to um, now identify the problem and not not commit the problem again or do the do the mistake again and this is how God's wisdom will bring understanding to you Um, Shane why don't you grab the mic and uh, share the story you were telling about that CNC machine or whatever it was 
So uh, it was at this actually at the Luau um, where he heard the story, um, well, where I asked him the question. So <laughs> I'm just trying, there's a lot that happened in that conversation. Sorry, a lot of good stuff. So I'm just trying to think of where I started. So basically, um, in the past year, I had gotten bumped up from what is a manual machinist, and I'll put it in layman's terms for everybody. Basically, I pull a lever to make a hole. We'll just call it that for right now. Um, <laughs> so I went from that to uh, basically a huge version of what I was running that now I need to learn a language for, which is called G-Code. Some of you may know what that is. Some of you may not know what that is. But essentially, you have to learn a language to now program this machine to make parts. And I only... <sighs> For lack of better terms, when I was in college, I was a drunk. This is before Jesus. So uh, all of my classes in that particular area were kind of like, I know how to do that, sure. Um, but I didn't. And so I had very limited knowledge. And so what I was encouraged to do, um, basically by one of, I think it was uh, Pastor Sidney who was preaching, talked about how in James, those who lack wisdom ask of it, uh, ask the Lord for it without doubting, and then you'll receive it. And so I wrote it out on a piece of paper, put it on my uh, programming console and just profess that. And there was an instance where I just kept believing it and kept speaking it. And it took a little time, but there was an instance with my coworker who his mind is working at like a thousand miles an hour. Like he's a genius in programming and I'm like, I don't know how to do this. So he's explaining something to me. He's like, all right, got it. Okay, cool. Next thing, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, like this dude's moving really fast. So I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, Lord, thank you for showing me this. And so finally he shows me this thing. I have no idea in the moment. And I'm just like, wait. And I told him to wait. And I just, under my breath, thank you, Lord. And in a very moment, I, rem I know every single thing he's talking about. I, I can even say, I'm like, yes, actually, you do this because then you do that and this, that. And I start teaching him. And he steps back and he's like, yeah, that, yeah, that's how it's done. <laughs> okay. And we move on. And so. Thank you. So with a little bit of help from the Lord, you can have a tremendous amount of skill you didn't have just a few moments ago and able to do things that you didn't know how to do otherwise. And here, these two guys, as they were building the temple, the Lord gave them all this wisdom, skill, understanding, ability, and every kind of craft. It says to design artistic works in gold and silver and bronze, to cut gemstones for mounting, to carve wood of every kind of artistic craft, and says gave them the ability to teach others. The ability to teach others. So not only can the Lord give you the skill for it, He can also give you the skill to be able to teach someone else how to do it. Turn around and teach your teacher, right, how to do it. And um, I, I like to, you know, I use this for myself because there's so many times I'm, I am teaching, I'm preaching so far out ahead of where I feel like I am personally in my own understanding. And because the Lord is giving things to me. Because see, the Lord, as your shepherd, as, as the great shepherd, He very much wants to get wisdom across to you, to get truth across to you. He wants to encounter you where you're at through your ear gate. Right? He wants you to hear the Word. And so the Lord will give me things to share with you because He knows where you live. He knows the things you're dealing with. He knows the things that you're up against that week. And He knows exactly what you need to hear to get you through in victory and in glory. 
And so he'll put things inside of me, and I don't know why I said that. That just kind of came out. I mean, that wasn't even part of the planned message. What was that? And then later someone will come, man, this thing just changed my life. And it was like, oh, great. You know, the Lord is, because you're his sheep. You're not my sheep. Sure, I'm the under-shepherd here in the house, but the Lord has a very keen interest in bringing His thoughts, His ideas to you. And if we'll just start to receive that, for not, not just for our hyper-spiritual time when we're all together in these four walls. No, when you start receiving this and believing that this is true for me in my everyday life, how I drive, how the routes I take, the work I do, when I go to the grocery store, even the times to go. And it's not always the same. You know, routines are fun, but sometimes routines are the enemy of what's best. So he gave them the ability to teach others. I'll give you some scriptures that I use for myself to encourage myself, to instill courage, to instill confidence. See, the word of the Lord will strengthen you. And so take the word of the Lord, make it your confession, speak it out. You got to do that. You got to speak the word of the Lord out. And I'm getting ahead of myself. That's all right. In Psalms 45, it says this in the first two verses. It says, my heart is stirred by a noble theme. As I recite my verses for the king, my tongue is the pen of a skillful writer. I use these verses. You know, before I come up and stand in front of you, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. My tongue is like, like the pen of a skillful writer. And then it goes on and says, You are the most excellent of men, and your lips have been anointed with grace. Yes, when I speak, grace is ministered to those who listen. See, what, is, what, what am I doing? I'm taking the Word of God, I'm believing it, and that in turn causes the wisdom of God to flow through me. And it benefits you, it also benefits me, right? Because I get to hear it too. He goes on then and he says he filled them with skill, with wisdom to do all the work of the gem cutter of a designer, of an embroiderer with blue, purple yarn and linen and he became their weavers. So they know how to work with metals, they know how to work with wood, they know how to work with diamonds, they know how to work with all kinds of different materials and then to do every kind of craft and design artistic designs. Now, did they go to school for this? No, it just says the Lord gave them this by His Spirit. So still in review, I don't know if we'll ever get into what was going to come. Maybe next week. There are four sources of wisdom. We looked at four places that wisdom come from. And we identified that if you look in in James 3, 14 and 15, it says that... uh, Wisdom that carries bitter jealousy and rivalry and all that stuff. It says that wisdom does not come from above, but it's worldly, it's self-centered, and it's demonic. It's natural wisdom. That's one realm, one source of wisdom. It's just natural wisdom. Then there are worldly wisdom, this earth's wisdom. And then there is fleshly wisdom. It's self-centered wisdom. Wisdom that benefits you takes from others to benefit you. Selfish wisdom. And then there is demonic wisdom. The spiritual realm and devilish wisdom. And you can be inspired by a devil. Did you know that? Inspired to find fault. Inspired to really hit someone right where it hurts. And then there is wisdom from above, from God. So these four sources of wisdom. It says wisdom from above is first pure. 
peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy, and good fruits, without favoritism or hypocrisy. Four sources of wisdom. Then we looked at, we, we recognize that wisdom is a spirit. It's a spirit being. It's not just knowing things. Wisdom is an actual spirit that comes and lives on the inside of you. And we, we looked at different scriptures that talk about this and how that this spirit of wisdom is available to every believer. And in, in fact, Paul wrote in Ephesians 1, he says that, I pray that the, to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the glorious Father, that He would give you a spirit of wisdom. So it's a spirit being. And in, in 1 Corinthians 1.30, it says Christ became wisdom, God-given wisdom for us, just like He did righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So as sure as you have experienced salvation, redemption, righteousness, he's, you've been made the righteousness of God, He's also given you the spirit of wisdom. It doesn't mean you walk in it, but it's available to you. So did you find Proverbs 4 yet? All right, let's, let's look at What's our responsibility? Well, we're told to get wisdom. If you look down in verse 3, it says, When I was a son with my father, tender and precious to my mother, he taught me and said, Your heart must hold on to my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom. Everyone say, get wisdom. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Don't forget to... Or turn away from the words of my mouth. Don't abandon wisdom and she will watch over you. Love her and she will guard you. Wisdom is supreme. So get wisdom. And whatever else you get, get understanding. So look at your neighbor and say, get wisdom. You know, I used to have this dog. We had several of them through the years. And we trained them what sick them or get them meant, Right? And I could be sitting, and I could just point out across the yard or field and say, get him, just kind of out of the blue, right? Nothing even out there. This dog would take off on a full sprint immediately. It could be sleeping, and I say, get him. Well, that dog is up and headed out. Nothing even out there. And while the dog is on the way, he's looking around, what am I supposed to be getting? What's out here? Looking for something that doesn't belong. But that, those, those dogs, we had several that were that way, they were quick to respond. They knew what get it meant. Do you know what get it means? Get wisdom. I mean, that means you're going to put forth effort for it. It's going to take, it's going to take deliberate, thought-through process of doing things. It means you're going to not wait for wisdom to just accidentally fall on you. It will take effort from you to get it. And we have a responsibility to get it. Now here's the amazing thing. Get wisdom implies that you don't have as much wisdom as you need. Right? It also implies there's more, more wisdom available to be gotten. Else he wouldn't say get it. So that's good news for me. I don't know about you. But that's really good news for me. Because there's so much that I don't know. And there's so many times I need God's wisdom. Well, what do I do about this, you know? And so I go after it and get it. We have the responsibility to get wisdom. And then we looked in James 1 where it says, ask God. And, and Shane already shared the scripture. But ask the Lord for wisdom. If you lack wisdom, 
That means that you need more. Then ask the Lord for wisdom. He's not going to find fault with you for how you used it the last time, but he'll give it to you liberally. All right, going on. Let's go to chapter 1 of Proverbs. Wisdom is available for you and I. Say, wisdom Wisdom. is made available available. to me. me. Look in verse 20. It says, wisdom calls out in the street. She raises her voice in the public square. She cries out above the commotion. She speaks at the entrance of the city gates. So wisdom has a voice and is calling out to us, is crying out to us. And it's, it's in the, where, where, is, where is this taking place? It's like uh, at the entrance of the city gates. It's in the public squares. It's in the street. It's in the places you need it. Let's just say it that way. It's in all those places are where you need wisdom. And it's, wisdom is calling to you and I. It's calling out for us. Wisdom is a spirit, right? Wisdom has a voice. Wisdom calls out to us. So are you listening? Not everyone that listened to Jesus went away with God's wisdom because they weren't, they didn't have ears to hear. Jesus said, be careful how you hear. Let's go over to chapter 8 and let's look at verse 1. So get wisdom, get understanding. It shouldn't be hard to get if wisdom is looking for us. It's calling out to us. You know, wisdom is saying, hey, caster! Right? Wisdom is calling out, Jonathan! He's calling to you. So it shouldn't be hard to find it. Let's look in verse 8. It says, doesn't wisdom call out? Yes. Doesn't wisdom make her voice heard? In in verse 1 of chapter 8. Doesn't understanding make her voice heard? And here's where, at the heights overlooking the road, at the crossroads, she takes her stand beside the gate at the entry to the city. At the main entrance, she cries out. Wisdom is calling. What is wisdom saying? Let's keep reading. Verse 4, people, I call out to you. My cry is to mankind. Learn, this is what wisdom is saying. Learn to be shrewd, you who are inexperienced. Develop common sense, you who are foolish. Listen, for I speak of noble things, and what my lips say is right. For my mouth tells the truth, and wickedness is detestable to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous, and none of them are deceptive or perverse. All of them are clear to the perceptive and right to those who discover knowledge." Accept my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom is better than precious stones, and nothing desirable can compare with it. Would you rather have a billion dollars or Solomon's wisdom? You'd be better off to choose Solomon's wisdom. It's better than gold. Why would I say that? Well, I already made this statement. Maybe for some of you it's a strange statement. But riches accompany wisdom. The reason wisdom is better than riches is because wisdom will lead you into riches. Anybody can be poor. <clears throat> you don't look at someone's bank account to decide if they're wise or not, though. All right? There's no confusion on that. But the wisdom of God makes rich. In, in verse 10, 
He said, accept my instruction. This is better than silver or pure gold. Verse 11, for wisdom is better than precious stones. Nothing desirable can compare with it. I, wisdom, share a home with shrewdness and have knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate arrogant pride, evil conduct, and perverse speech. This is fear still speaking. Did I, what did I say? Did I say fear? I meant wisdom. See, that's what she call a mistake, not wisdom. Wisdom is saying the fear of the Lord is this. Wisdom is saying it hates arrogant pride and evil conduct and perverse speech. Wisdom is saying in verse 14, I possess good advice and competence. I have understanding and strength. I mean, isn't this a great verse for, for your job, for your workplace? I have I possess good advice and competence. I have understanding and strength. Wisdom goes on and says, this is what wisdom cries out, it is, it is by me that kings reign and rulers enact just law. See, there's unjust law and that's not by wisdom. Different spirit entirely. It is by me that kings reign and rulers enact just law. By me princes lead, as do nobles and all righteous judges. I love those who love me. And those who diligently search for me, find me. Remember, get it. And the dog is gone out there looking what to get. Well, get wisdom. Do you love wisdom? Do you search diligently to find wisdom? The promise is if you do, you will find. Jesus said, knock and it will be opened. Ask and you shall receive. But it takes effort on our part. It means you left where you were at, your comfort zone, you went to the door that was closed, else why are you knocking? Come on, don't be led by closed doors. Open and closed doors. That's just silliness and it's foolishness. Wisdom goes and knocks. If you believe this is where the Lord wants you to be, then you're going to go to the door, closed or not. Don't take your leading from circumstances, and and we'll get a little bit more into that here in a moment. Wisdom is calling, and wisdom is saying all these things, and if you search for wisdom, you will find it. Find wisdom. He says, with me, with wisdom, are riches and honor, lasting wealth and righteousness. So for those of you who were not liking me saying that riches come with wisdom, here's your verse. With me, with, with me, who's me? Wisdom. Wisdom is speaking. With me are riches and honor. Lasting wealth and righteousness. Lasting wealth. Meaning your source is not your job. Your source goes much deeper than that. It is tapped into the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when He's your source, it's lasting wealth. You know, there's all these amazing statistics about people who win the lottery and how in X amount of months or years, they're right back to where they were before they won the lottery. Because, see, their wisdom hasn't changed. Their bank account changed. And where you are financially is in large part because of the decisions that you're making. Be they wise or be they foolish. Where you are financially, anybody can go from zero to an amazing place. Financially. So if you are struggling financially, go to the Lord with this and say, all right, Lord, what do I need to change? Give me wisdom. 
And then thank Him for giving it to you. Thank Him that you know how to do it, what to do about it. Thank Him that you are wise and that you know all that you need to know to be able to accomplish these things financially. And then don't go out and start keep making the foolish decisions that got you where you were to begin with. Act and walk in the wisdom of God. He says, my fruit, in verse 19, wisdom says, my fruit is better than solid gold, my harvest than pure silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, giving wealth as an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. There's no better example of this than Solomon's wisdom. Richest man known to the world at that time. All right, go back over to chapter 1 of Proverbs. We're still looking at what is wisdom saying. Let's look at a couple of verses here about, I had, I had read to you how wisdom calls out in the street. Now let's read the next couple of verses. What is wisdom saying? It says, in verse 22 of chapter 1, How long, foolish ones, will you love ignorance? How long will you mockers enjoy mocking and you fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, if you turn at my discipline, then I will pour out my Spirit on you and teach you my words. See, the wisdom of God can arrest you from foolish thinking. The wisdom of God can come and begin to operate in you, and the way of thinking that got you to where you're at does not have to be your continued story. I've told the story before, but I'll say it again. Um, we were, when we first moved to Pennsylvania in 2011, we were looking for a school. Adrian was just ready to go into first grade. He was the first one. And we were wanted to send him to a private school because we didn't, we didn't have any confidence in the public school. And so we narrowed it down to three Christian private schools that we were looking at. And we looked at all three of them. We went out to each school and had conversations with like the principal and and each school told us, you know, here's how much it's going to cost you financially. And now the one school was going to do significantly more than the other schools for us as far as scholarships because I was come why I was here. I was here to help with the pastoral work of this church. And so they were willing to do things for us that the other schools weren't willing to do. Now, many people would make their decision based on that. And just be money-led instead of being Spirit of God-led. Right? But wisdom is not money-led. Wisdom will lead you into having more money or making wise financial choices, but wisdom doesn't make the choice based on money. And there is a difference. And so I knew better than to just say yes to the cheapest one because it could make all the difference between the relationships my, my son has in his life. It could be the difference between him being in a place where there's a school shooting or not being in one, right? It it could be the difference of life or death. And so I didn't want to mess this up. My desire was to be fully led by the Spirit of God. And so I would pray and ask the Lord, where do you want Adrian to go to school? And I would hear nothing. I don't know. I must not be in the groove right now. Now, Tonight, I'll pray about it again. You know, I'll pick it up later. So, 14 cups of coffee later, we're back to the Lord. Lord, what should I do? Where should we send Adrian to school? Silence. Nothing. And this went on for a couple weeks. Finally, the one school calls us and says, hey, we need to know by tomorrow if you're going to enroll him here or not. 
said, okay, I will, uh, I'll have an answer for you by tomorrow. And so I told Jen, we were living in, in a little cottage right across the street here from the church in the campground over here, and we were looking for a place, and, and it, financially we had nothing, okay? It was really, we, we couldn't afford, we had no business thinking we could afford to send our children to a private school, but this is what the Lord, we believe to be the will of the Lord, so this is the avenue we were pursuing. Well, I told Jen, I said, I'm going to go upstairs, and I'm not going to come out of the bedroom until the Lord gives me direction. And so I prayed, and I said, Lord, I know that you desire to lead me more than I desire to be led. Right? He desires to lead you more than you even have an ability to desire to be led. So I said, Lord, I know that my not hearing your leading on this issue, yay or nay or whatever, is the, the, the blockage has to be on my side. It cannot be on your side. So show me what this blockage is. And I heard like a recording in my head all of the things I said growing up, going to school, all the word curses I'd spoken out about school, about how I hated school, about how I wished that the schoolhouse would burn down, and all the on and on and on and on. I really disliked school. Now you can understand why I didn't opt for that extra ninth grade when it didn't have any benefits. <laughs> well, all that to be said, um, I heard all this playing, all these word curses. Because see, now I understood the power of life and death is in the tongue. See, this is wisdom. I understood this truth, and so when the Lord all of a sudden plays all of this for me, I knew that my words have been lying in wait for me and they have been standing between me and my answer. So I immediately repented. You know, it doesn't take long to repent. You can do it in a moment. And I said, Lord, I am sorry that I ever said those things. Those things were wrong. I cancel those word curses over the schools that I grew up in. And Father, I thank you for sending me to a good school. I thank you for that school. And I prayed blessing over those teachers and the teachers that I even really strongly dislike, right? Because we had some really bad ones, I'm telling you. We had a few good ones too, but... And... I went through and I prayed a blessing over these three schools we were looking at. And then I turned and I said, all right, Lord, where do you want me to send Adrian? And without hesitation, the Lord answered. He said, he will go to Hinkletown and his teacher will be Miss Rogers. Now, I didn't know any of the teacher's names. And um, it was so clear, it was so real that I doubted it. And I'm just coming up with something now. My mind is too active, right? I'm making things up. So I pray again. I did that three times. And have you ever heard the third time, right, I'll get through? Well, I, at the third time, realized, well, this has to be the Lord. And there's a real easy way to see if what I'm hearing is right. Call the school and see who the first grade teacher is. He'll go to Hinkletown. His teacher will be Miss Rogers. So here we go. Call the school up. Hey, I was wondering who the uh, first grade teacher is this year. Oh, her name is Jackie Rogers. Thank you very much. Our son will be coming to your school, right? I had now the direction of the Lord. See, here's the thing. Why is this so important? See, right here he says, if you repent at my reproof, then I will pour out my Spirit on you and teach you my words. The wisdom to know what to do, because wisdom so often has to do with future events, did not come to me until I repented and dealt with the thing that needed to be dealt with. 
Well, it wasn't like I murdered someone or anything like that, right? But it was still something that was standing and hindering me from hearing. And so the Lord is so kind. He, is so, he wants to lead you so strongly. He was willing to show that. Play a recording of this in my head. Bring to my remembrance those things that I had said. And as soon as I turned, then His Spirit taught me His words and what to do. See, go over to chapter 3. Chapter 3 here in Proverbs. And look at verse 5. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's on the inside. Okay? That's, that's faith and it's confidence. Trusting not in your own strength, but in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. Now we have... We have taught this, we've looked at this, and if you've been at any length of time in any Word of Faith church, you have heard not to lean on your understanding, but to lean on the Lord. Maybe almost to a fault. You know, it doesn't say, don't use your understanding. It says, don't lean on it. Because we're to lean on the Lord. In fact, the next line, he goes, think. <laughs> think. So we're supposed to use our understanding. We're supposed to use our mind. And he tells us what to think. Think about Him in the important decisions in life. Well, that's true in the important decision ones, but is that what it says? No. In all your ways. Think about Him. Use your head. Think about Him in all all your ways, and He will guide you on the right paths. Again, don't lean on your owners. Don't consider yourself to be wise, He says in the next line. Don't lean on your wisdom. Have it be God's wisdom. Consider Him. Think about Him. Make Him your focal point. Set your mind on things above, not on things that you know here on the earth. See, we're commanded to use our heads to think about, to deliberately... Remember, we're talking about get it. Get wisdom. You're to use your head to do something deliberately. To consider Him in all your ways. To think about Him. To meditate about what does He want in this situation. In fact, in Ephesians 5, if you, if you want to uh, turn over there, Ephesians 5 verse 15, it says, pay careful attention... Then, to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise. Are we talking about wisdom tonight and about getting wisdom? So don't be unwise. Pay, pay special attention to how you walk. It's verse 16, making the most of the time because the days are evil. See, wisdom recognizes the day we live in and rec recognizes that time is valuable. It goes on, verse 17 is where I wanted to get to. So don't be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. See, it is imperative that we know what God's will is in the situations that we come up against. This is why we're to think about Him in all our ways. Why? So that we know the path we should take. Because if you don't know what God's will is, later when the thing gets going, the going gets hard, you're going to be like, well, I don't know, maybe I'm not even supposed to be out here. You know, there was times where we were sending our children to, to Hinkletown that we really were unhappy with some things. 
We really didn't like things. I mean, I'll just give you an example. You know, they have their own bus route, which is awesome. They go like this 10-mile radius around the school. They'll pick your kids up. We had one car. So now that limited us to within this certain radius around the school where we could look for rental properties, a house to live. And there was loads of places available outside the zone, right? There was always dozens of places available outside that pickup zone. Inside the zone, mm, nothing. I mean, you could draw a 10-mile radius map. I'm not exaggerating this in any way, shape, or form around that school on, on, on like Zillow. We're looking for rentals, and just all around it, there's rental properties, oh, but none inside of it. So now it's like, well, man, can we just find a different school? There's all these houses available over here. No, you know, the Lord said that we need to send Adrian to this school. See, now we can go back to, we know what the will of the Lord is. And this is what anchored us, this is what grounded us, this is what kept us at a place, instead of running off to somewhere else. Because we knew what the will of the Lord was. We didn't just go, well, you know what? It is cheaper over here. And so we make the financial decision. We go to this school because they're doing more for us. And, um, and then a year or two later, well, you know, actually, economically, it might make more sense to go. And we'd get completely out of where we were supposed to be. You know, there are so many relationships and so many blessings and even a place where we lived in this amazing house for a couple years that came out of because of relationships at that school, of kids that were in Adrian's grade, and we got to know their parents and so forth. And we received blessing. We lived in this amazing 7,000-square-foot 7, home, horse pastures, whole bit, huge shop, amazing property, right? And um, we lived there, and by the time we paid an expensive amount of rent, but we, like, boarded horses and... And we rented out the basement, we rented out the shop, did different things. By the time it was all said and done, we were making money living there after all the rent was paid. See, this is because we knew we, we stayed hooked to the will of God. And what comes with the wisdom of God? Riches, wealth, the e difficult thing becomes easy. And so for you and I, it's important that we know what the will of God is. Don't be foolish. If you don't know what the will of God is, you have just identified foolishness. There's plenty of areas in my life where I'm constantly coming up against, I don't know what the will of God is here. So currently, I have foolishness if I try to go any further. So what do I do? Ask, and you shall receive. Ask Him, what shall I do? And don't always look for some voice or some... Go with the impressions that are on in the inside. You know, the Lord speaks to you through His Word. He speaks to you through His, His just impressions, thoughts that come up that seem just like your thoughts. Well, He lives in you. It's going to seem an awful lot like your thoughts. And they're going to come up on the inside of you. There's going to be, suddenly you just know things. You don't even know how they got there. When you didn't hear a voice, you just know this is the thing to do. And you have real good peace about it. There's none of that unrest on the inside like, mm, maybe we're making the wrong decision. There's like, yeah, I know, this doesn't look very smart, but this is the right decision. Let's do this. Know what the will of God is. Romans 8 says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Led by the Spirit of God. He goes on and says, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Listen, 
For you to walk in the wisdom of God, you have to pay attention on the inside what the Holy Spirit is bearing witness with your spirit. How does you bear witness with something? It's confirming something. Something that you already were identifying and saying, I think this is the thing to do. And you've got that smooth, buttery, this is the right thing feeling on the inside. That's the Holy Spirit bearing witness with your spirit. And when you have that, man, I don't know, it looks right, but... This doesn't quite seem right. Pay attention to that. This is the Spirit of God on the inside of you trying to lead you, to bear witness with you. In fact, earlier in Romans 8, it says, those who live according to the flesh think about the things of the flesh. But those, so that's leaning on their own understanding. But those who live according to the Spirit about the things of the Spirit, think about Him and He will direct you in all your ways. It says, for the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. Peace. This is the primary way that the Lord leads us into His wisdom. It's just there's a sense of peace that comes with the direction you're supposed to go. And in the natural, it may look like it's a big mistake. You know, I have... Years ago, I'd taken a whole bunch of training to uh, trade in the stock market. And I'd gone to Chicago, and to, I was trained at the Chicago Board of Exchange there, and then we did some stuff up here in New York City, as well as in Utah, where there is a commodities exchange. And I went through all this extensive schooling, right, for trading in commodities and in the stock market and in currencies. And, and through the course of the years of what came next, when we went through all kinds of financial collapse and lost everything, right, I didn't trade anymore because I didn't have any money to trade. And so... Fast forward now all these years, I felt like the Lord was prompting me to start trading in some cryptocurrencies. It's just like the stock market, just like any of those other things. You know, they all f operate and function the same. And so this is a great opportunity for me to listen to what is the Spirit leading me to do. Following what the Spirit says, buy here, sell here. See, I I'm a, to had technical chart training. Right? You look at the chart and you go, well, based on, on all the past history, on this, 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 and this, and, and now would be a good time to buy. Or now would be a good time to sell. Or don't buy now because you know, the charts are saying this is going to happen. Because no person in the natural realm knows what's going to happen, but we can look at history, and nine times out of ten, when, this, when XYZ happens, this then takes place next, right? And so there's all these... That's, how, how technic, that's what's called technical trading, chart trading. You're not going by news. You're not going by uh, the fundamentals of how good the company is or isn't. You're just going off of historical mathematics. Now, you can be led by that, or you could be led by the Spirit of God. Here's the challenge. When all the charts are saying this, but the Spirit of the Lord is saying this, which are you going to follow? Spirit of the Lord. See, she's sharp. She catches on quick. Follow the Spirit of the Lord. And I have been so blown away again and again by when I do that of what happens. You know, there's one time the Lord said, sell everything. Okay. You sure, Lord? You sell everything. Yep, I had peace about it. I was at the airport. I was sitting in the lounge waiting for the next flight. And so I pull out my laptop and blah, 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 sell, 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 sell everything. 
Well, within two, three days, the market was quite a bit higher than where I'd sold it. I'm like, Lord, what was that? Well, you say sell everything, why not sell everything in three days? Why, why then? Well, within two short weeks, the, all the markets were much lower than where I had sold. And the Lord helped me, right? Sure, I could have made a few dollars more by staying in for three days more. But would have I been paying attention in three days when I'm covered up with all kinds of other things going on? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe that's why the Lord said sell today, now. Because I had the time and was sitting there silent listening to the Lord. So I say all of this to go back to Ephesians 5 where it says to find out what the will of God is. And then do that. If you can be certain about you following the Spirit of the Lord, then the wisdom of God's going to operate in you. And when it, the going gets tough, when the going gets hard, you can go back to, well, this is what I believe the Lord showed me. And then, Lord, if I somehow imagined this and you didn't show this to me, then please tell me that. And He will. He is very interested in leading you. All right, worship team, you can come and uh, stand with me. And let's say some things together about wisdom. Let's just say this. The Lord has given me an ear to hear what He is saying to me. I am sensitive to His leading. I know what the will of God is. And when I don't know, I go to the Lord and I find out. I seek. I get wisdom. Wisdom belongs to me. Wisdom is growing in me. Wisdom come to me. Fill me. Thank you, Father, that you have given me ears to hear, a mind to receive, and I do receive. Thank you, Lord. He's a good God. And you know, He knows so much more than you and I do. He knows how to thread the needle. I mean, like we never could without Him. And so put your pressure on Him, right? Look to Him. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He'll give you that wisdom that even your smallest efforts become fruitful. In particular, in the realm of bringing souls into the kingdom, right? So look for those opportunities this week and allow the wisdom of God to move through you. He can tell you to be at the right place at the right time for the person who's ready. I don't know why. He just wanted me to come to this gas station to fill up today. Well, if something like that happens, something unordinary happens by the Lord directing you to do something, now start paying attention with your spiritual ears, right? Prick your spiritual ears up and go, okay, Lord, why did you want me to come this way? What's the assignment? See, as we were worshiping, I was having a conversation with the Lord about some of this, and he, t- he said to me, he said that obedience is key in this. That if you want the wisdom of God to be manifest in and through you, then you need to obey Him. You know, the presence of God comes to the degree that we yield and obey to Him when He does direct us, when He does guide us. And I gave you that illustration of finding the right school Well, through the year, I I guess I didn't finish the story, through the years, we had, at several times, we had 
wished we could leave. But we had determined that the Lord said that we should come here, and so we're not going to leave here until we, the Lord leads us by equal strength of leading. Is how He led us into there, is He'll lead us out of it. And quite honestly, we'd become quite accustomed to the way things were and the way things worked, and we knew the people, and on and on and on. And in 2019, the Lord gave a prophetic word to us, actually through uh, Prophet Bob at the landmark meetings. And he said we needed to change the way we were thinking about some things. And so we went home and we went to prayer and we came before the Lord and said, Lord, what, do you, what is it that we're supposed to change our thinking on? And we believe that the Lord was leading us, telling us we need to change our thinking about schooling and that we need to bring our children home and have them take school at home this next year in 2020. We didn't know. We didn't know that schools were going to be canceled and on and on and on. I mean, we look like geniuses, right? But that's because He is the genius. Not because we were so smart, but His wisdom in us led us into the right path. We leaned on His understanding. See, obedience is what then allows you to reap the reward of His wisdom when you obey His leading and His prompting. So this week, pay special attention to when the Lord is leading you. Look for the next step in it. Lord, the why, all right? What do you, the assignment? Why did you have me come this way? It may be nothing more than this route today avoided an accident over there. Maybe you'll never know, right? But still, tune your spiritual ear for His leading his prompting, the thing that He gives you on the inside, and then, and then go with that. Can we do that? And you'll see the wisdom of God play out. As you look back at it, you'll be able to see it more clearly sometimes than in the moment. All right, let me pray over you and then we'll go. Father, I thank You that You are the Good Shepherd. And that You're called good for a reason. And Lord, we acknowledge You as good. We acknowledge You as God. And we acknowledge You as the spirit of righteousness and the spirit of wisdom. And we say lead us this week into your wisdom, Lord. Give us assignments that you would give us. Father, we commit to listening with our spiritual ears and watching you. We put our eyes on you and we follow your commands. In Jesus' name, and amen. Well, love on each other as you go. Everyone's invited downstairs to a time of fellowship. Good evening, everyone. Oh, thank you so much for being here tonight. Praise the Lord. 
It really pays to be at the right place at the right time, doing the right things with the right people, doesn't it? And this is your night because you showed up. Glory to God. Amen. I'd like to encourage you in the scriptures for our time together. In Psalms 80, Psalms 8, you probably know exactly what I'm going to. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies. Now, you have ordained strength. Now, you know what? In Matthew 21, Jesus quoted this scripture. I want to share it with you. When he was talking to the Pharisees. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, Jesus did, thank you, and the children crying in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. They were really mad and said to Jesus, do you hear what they're saying? Can you just hear their anger? And Jesus turned to, turned to them and said, yes. <laughs> Have you never read, and then he points back to this Psalms 8, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Now, Jesus changed the word. In, in Psalms 8, 2, it says that you have ordained strength. But he said, you have ordained praise. So we can combine these and say praise equals strength. Glory to God. So what does it continue to read? It says, because of your enemies. Now, who is our enemy? The devils and the demons and all those fiery darts. They're all enemies of God and God's people. But let's look at verse, the next verse. It's so exciting that you say, that's me, may silence the enemy and the avenger. Now think about that. Praise is strength, and God gave it to you from your tongue so that you can silence the enemy and the avenger. That is such power. It's such a key to victory. It gives us the victory every single time. Praise. Your tongue is like giving God glory. And when you do that, God himself backs, up, backs you up and imposes silence on the enemy on your behalf. Glory to God. Can we just say glory to God? Now, one more thing, because this is such good news. In Jeremiah 33, 11, it says, In the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of those who will say, praise the Lord of hosts for the Lord is good for his mercy endureth forever. How about if we say that? Praise the Lord of hosts for the Lord is good for his mercy endureth forever. And of those who will bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Now, you know what that means? Sometimes it's a sacrifice. Sometimes your emotions and your flesh don't want to praise God. 
because of this problem or that reason or you you know the devil will accommodate all your reasoning as to why not to praise the Lord but if you will sacrifice when you don't feel like it if you will break through that impasse you will enter into the triumph of our Lord Jesus Christ because he says he leads us into all triumph in Christ Jesus praise is your key in Let's all stand up together as a family of God in this place tonight, and let's just give him a walloping praise tonight. A walloping praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm in for a walloping praise. Praise God. Ooh. tonight. Thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. Father, we use our tongue tonight to give you glory and praise. We've come together as your children, the family of God, celebrating Jesus tonight, celebrating the written word, the rhema word, the infallible word, the spirit of God moving and dwelling among us. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Have your way, Holy One, in our hearts tonight. Elevate revelation. One word from heaven can set us free in areas of our life that need to be set free. We open our heart to you tonight. We say yes to you. Jesus, have your way. Have your way. Say that and mean it. Jesus, have your way. Have your way in me. Have your way in all those places in my heart. I just open every door to you and allow you entrance. Bring your light. Shine it bright. Have your way. Hallelujah. Well, you truly are in the right place at the right time, doing the right things with the right people. So turn to your neighbor and say, I sure am glad you're here. Thanks for coming.
Well, good evening, everyone. I'm glad to be here. I hope you are, too. Do we have anyone that's here for the very first time? We'd like to recognize you, welcome you to Church of the Word International. All right, one right here. Welcome. We're glad you're with us tonight. All right, well, we're going to prepare to return the tithe to the Lord this evening. So if you need a cash envelope for your giving, you can raise your hand. If you're giving by credit card, do fill out all of the blanks. Believe it or not, we actually need all of them filled out. (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, are you thankful tonight? Is your heart full of thankfulness? You know, we have a God who loves us. He cares about us. He knows about your situation. And he doesn't just know about it. He actually cares. He's never forsaken us, never left us. Well, Psalms 111 says this, says, praise the Lord. That's right. Praise the Lord. It says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. Nothing held back. Everything. In the company, here's where, in the company of the upright, in the congregation. So there's something about coming together and just remembering what God's done and praising him for it. This chapter, I just was really stirred by it when I read it, but I'm not going to take the time to read all of it. But it goes on and just says, you know, what all we're praising him for and what all we're grateful to the Lord for. We're remembering his mighty works. We're remembering all the things he's done for us. We're we're not forgetting that. He's so gracious and merciful. Verse 5 says this, says he provides food for those who fear him. So one of the things that we're remembering and we're grateful for is that he's our provider. He takes care of us. You know, he, he knows we have natural needs, and he's the one that brings that to us, not, not our own uh, smarts or our own efforts. says he remembers his covenant forever. He don't forget stuff. He remembers it forever. Uh, Psalms 89, 34 says this, says, I will not violate my covenant or alter the word that went forth from my lips. He won't violate his covenant. You know, a covenant's more than just a promise. It's different than just a promise. When you have a covenant, it's like a treaty or an alliance between two parties. And there's terms on both sides of this uh, treaty, this agreement. And he says he don't violate his. Now, you and I, we're human. We may you know, let each other down. We, we, we might violate a covenant, but the Lord doesn't. He says, I will not alter the words from my lips. Now, who knows something he has said to us concerning our tithes and in Malachi 3. Here's some words the Lord has said. It says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. That's our side of the agreement. That's our part of the treaty. And thereby, or by this, put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Now these are words that the Lord said that he will not alter, that he keeps his covenant. See, as a tither, we are in covenant with the Lord. We bring the full tithe, that's our part of the treaty, that's our part of of the agreement. And when we do that, we're really acknowledging the Lord, his lordship in our life, 
We're acknowledging he's our source. And that's, and that's one way we demonstrate that. But his part, he takes care of us. He pours out blessing until it swallows up the need. He protects you. And aren't you just so thankful for that? I am. I'm really grateful that he's so kind. He's so faithful. Let's pray over the tithe. Father, we just give you praise tonight. We're so grateful that you don't alter the things that you've said, that you don't violate your covenant, that you're good for your words. And so we just give you praise, and we remember how you've taken care of us. We remember all the good things you've done for us and how you've brought us through time and time again. And we just, we praise you. You're so good. We're so thankful. And Lord, I just ask you to, Open the windows of heaven for these tithers, that you would swallow up any needs in this house. Rebuke the devourer for their sake, and we know you're good for it, Lord, because you said it. So we give you praise in the name of Jesus, and amen. Amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give it to the Lord. All right, a couple of things to mention in the bulletin here. We've got our youth and young adults impact tomorrow night here at the church Um, you can still sign up for home groups home groups is going to be starting the week of september 12th so we've got a variety of groups you can be a part of you can sign up downstairs in the lobby and i'll just say this that even if you are have been part of the home groups for a while and you are thinking yeah we're going to continue on that's great that's cool just go sign up again so we have list of your names All right. Also, we have um, still Thursdays. So the Armada Commission, we've been speaking of of that the last couple of weeks. Armada Commission is going to be starting up soon. And we still have Thursday lunch that we need someone willing to bring in lunch for the Bible school uh, students. So if you would like to be part of that and help in that way, see Debbie. And we're still looking for one adult or two. Ah, well, make it three, whatever. (laughs) Have extras. We're still looking for some help in the nursery. So if you are willing to serve Jesus by serving the children in this way, please see Reba.